Hello and welcome to another episode of Tour Guide Talks, the travel show about the people we trust to teach us about local history, local gastronomy, local haunts, and who give us directions to great finds and secret experiences. In this show, we're going to talk about our tour guide's travel philosophy and why they chose a career in this intriguing profession. With this show, there is no need to write anything down. We will leave links in the show notes so you can reference the places that are discussed. Enjoy the show, and thank you for coming along for this tour guide talk. As a side show note, Tour Guide Talks was born during the COVID-19 pandemic. In order to be a responsible talk show, recording has been done over phone lines, Wi-Fi connections, or over video conferencing. As a result, recording levels are not always perfect and sometimes there will be inconsistencies. Hello, travelers. This is Alvaro, your host with Tour Guide Talks. I'm very excited to be here today because I have a special guest for you guys because we are going to travel to San Sebastian or St. Sebastian. And with us today, we have a tour guide by the name of Borja Torres. So, Borja, welcome to Tour Guide Talks. Hi, Alvaro. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. I'm very excited about you being here because I have never been to San Sebastian. And we have been uh, talking a little bit of pre-show here, uh, the beauty of it and how exciting it is. And uh, it was really surprising when you heard that I'd never been there before, which I guess lends itself to how excited you are about San Sebastian. But before we get into San Sebastian, let's get to know a little bit about you. Uh, all tour guides love to travel. And so if you could give us some insight as far as where you have traveled in the world. Traveling is one of my hobbies. My main hobby is surfing. So surfing took me pretty much everywhere in the world, okay? I've been in Australia, New Zealand, in the States, California, the Maldives, Indonesia, Central America. I've been pretty much everywhere, okay? Yeah, it's a, it's a passion. It's, it's, you know, like, when, I feel like when I have the time and the money, what I want to do is go out of, of here, even if I live in an amazing place, but I want to, Discover the world, you know? Uh, a, lo a lot of people say that when surfing gets into your blood, there's no way you can get it out. It's just something that you end up looking for, the bigger waves, the excitement. I assume this yeah. is true. <laughs> well, it, it's true. It's true. I, I, I guess, I mean, I, I'm, I'm turning 49 this year, and I've been surfing since I was 14. Mm. And, you know, life changes uh, now I got like a three years old little little girl and I don't have much time as before you know San Sebastian is a city it's a, it's a, it's a city beach and it's, it's becoming more crowded and crowded you know so it's sometimes hard to find the excitement to go there searching for the waves when you have to fight with another 200 people mm -hmm. but yeah I mean uh, it's like a poison that you get in your blood. It's like, oh, I want to do it again. You know, it's, it's right. really addictive. So you are from San Sebastian. I'm from here. Yeah, I was born here. Always been living here. I been, I've been traveling a, a lot because work back in the days, but always with a base in San Sebastian. How many languages do you speak? Well, I speak Spanish, obviously, mm -hmm. English, French, and a little bit of Basque. There is a... I call it the lost generation. I don't know if you heard about Franco. Yes, of course. Franco was the dictator that uh, actually put a lot of pressure in the Basque country 40 years ago. And, and he banned teaching 
Basque in the, in the schools, and he banned Basque names, Basque culture, everything. So unless you could speak Basque at home, it was really, really difficult to learn it. And uh, my parents didn't speak Basque. So the first, the first Basque lesson I had at the school is after Franco died and we became a democracy. That was when I was nine or ten. And it took them quite a while to set up a program to restart teaching Basque at the school. So, you know, so many people in my situation. The same is true here. As you said, the Catalan was illegal under Franco. They were not allowed to speak it. And it's still a point of contention. And people still talk about the lost generation and the loss of culture. And mm. for the Catalans, and I'm sure this is the same for the Basque country is that they're still fighting to hold on to those older traditions because it is part of who they were and they feel that it was taken away from them. It's good to at least mm. hear that it's taught in schools and it's trying to get brought back to where it once was. You could talk all day long about Franco. That's, I think, a, oh, probably yeah. a, a, po a podcast show all to its own. But we're going to get back to traveling and having a good time. Can you tell me a little bit about what you call yourselves? There's another name that you use. Can you explain that? Yeah, we... We call it Donostia, okay? Uh, Donostia, I mean, people think that Donostia is San Sebastian in Basque language, in Euskera, but it's not. It's not. Nobody knows really where it's coming from, okay? But I think that um, San Sebastian, the saint, was born in Ostia, in, in Italy. And Don in Spanish means Mr., so it could be Mr. Ostia, Don Ostia. But as I told you, it's a guess. Nobody knows. Okay. The problem we have here in San Sebastian is that in 1813, the city was invaded by the French. And we had, uh, well, during, when, when the Allies came to San Sebastian to, to help us kicking out the French out of town, a big, big fire happened. And the files of the city got burned. So we lost pretty much everything. All the history of San Sebastian was lost. So then, obviously, was more documents here and there. And we, we kind of rebuilt the, the history of town from piece by piece found somewhere, somewhere else. But most of the things are guessing. You know, we don't know certainly what happened here. Yeah, that's kind of hard because when you start giving history from an oral or from memory, everything gets a little bit, yeah. you know, everything is questionable. Either whether it's a political perspective that you might want to give your history on, that is confusing because San Sebastian does have a lot of history uh, dating pre-Roman, right? Um, they mm -hmm. have found artifacts from pre-Roman. Uh, and then, of course, they had the Roman history. And then there's uh, in between there has been some really hard fights with the French. Can you give us an idea of the history of San Sebastian and kind of how far back it goes? Well, San Sebastian is in a really strategic place, right? It's right in the border with, uh, with France. Okay, it's like 10K, or maybe more like 15K drive to, to France. And it's a natural bay. So it's, uh, I don't know if you've seen photos of it, but it's a, like a round bay I called have, La yeah. Concha. Mm -hmm. Is the shape of a shell with an island in the middle. 
okay so it's a really really good port back in the days to you know ship the the ships to you know for freight and stuff and also to have the armies there okay and it was the the gate to the sea for the navarra kingdom okay uh, back in the days spain was splitting kingdoms not not in counties or regions and Navarra Kingdom was one one of the, the the most important in in Spain with Castilla Kingdom as well. So it's been always you know like when when you have, it's like Gibraltar at the moment you know like it's like a really strategic. So Spain wants it, the UK wants it as well, and it's always going to be a fight. Back in the days, was the same with France. Yeah, to give our listeners a little bit of background, uh, after the War of Secession, uh, Gibraltar was given to England so that uh, the English would kind of go home and say, why did we fight in this war of secession? And Gibraltar became part of England. So on the southern tip of Spain, it's really interesting because you hear Spanish and then all of a sudden you cross the border into Gibraltar and it's English. And <laughs> it's Europe. You know, it's really uh, some of those strange things that happen around here. Uh, but I guess the same could uh, also be said about Andorra, right? Because Andorra is not too far from you guys, a little bit off to the east. I know that when I go to France, it's always fun for me because on the border, they'll ask you, do you want butter or do you want olive oil on your sandwich? And <laughs> I, I always go with the butter. <laughs> it's more unhealthy, but it's really tasty, isn't it? Uh, you know, I, I eat olive oil all day long. I, I, I'm, I'm fully entrenched in the Mediterranean diet and I eat olive oil all day long. So when I go to France and they, want it, uh, and they put butter on everything, so I'm, I'm like, hey, might as well. Okay. The same for me when I go to the UK. Uh, in the UK? What do you do in the UK? Well, my wife is from there, so I go there like two, three times a year. And, you know, they don't cook with olive oil. They don't use olive oil for anything. It's like, mm-hmm. like gold, you know, it's really expensive. And everything is with butter. With and butter. it's a really nice butter. It's salty butter that you don't get in Spain, really. I mean, the butter here, the butter here doesn't have any salt. So you go there, like, put this kind of really tasty butter in your sandwiches, and it's like, mmm, it's a treat, you know? Yeah. But then when I go back here, it's olive oil. All okay. Olive oil. Uh, before we move to why people should go to San Sebastian, English food or food from Spain is better? Uh, what a question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is Penny I is Penny in the room? No, no, she's gone. She's okay. gone. Uh, you know what? I always I always had in mind that English food was rubbish. But it's actually great not. English word. Yes, it's not. You know, is 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 rich. Is um, most of the times more unhealthy than the food we have here but it's good i like it i yeah. like you know I, I don't think i could be eating english food all my life every single day but i go there for christmas for instance and those roasts and you know uh how you call them uh, all those pies and all that it's you know i think it goes with the weather as well you know That's i don't think i could be living in the uk eating salads and gazpacho and i like I- it but it's I prefer the Spanish food. Point taken. Point taken. All right. Then let me ask you, why should people go to San Sebastian? Well, San Sebastian is, as I said, is in a really strategic place. Okay. We have, we have, well, you know, gastronomy here is really important. We are, is the, is the place in the world with more Michelin stars. Food is really, really, really good. 
you have the sea, we have a summer, but not really hot summer. A spring and autumn still is all right. You have the mountains. In 15 minutes drive, you can be by yourself in the mountains. It's pretty green all year long. It's a lot of culture. And it's pretty close to some other places that is worth visiting. As I said, it's really close to France. It's re if you like wine, it's not even two hours drive to Rioja area. Um, yes, yeah, it's a really special place. It's, uh, and it's, and it's, I mean, it's becoming really popular, or it's really popular already, but it's a really small town. We are only 180,000 people living here. Oh, wow. Really? That's yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... And that that's taking in consideration all the neighborhoods around downtown. Okay, yeah. you know you you do a three hours bike tour, and you can visit the whole city. Right. You know, so it's it's really special. You you can walk everywhere. If if you are in downtown, it's flat. Uh, you don't need a car, so it's a really really cool place. So depending on what you want to see, which is the best way to see the, the city? Is it, is it walking or is it bike? Which would you recommend? I always recommend to do a bike tour because, I mean, you go faster, obviously. And you can, you can be, see more. Yeah, you can see more. You can, you can go from one side of the city to the other in 10 minutes by bike, basically. Oh, wow. Um, and if you do a walking tour... Normally, you stay in the, right in the old town, uh, which is pretty cool. But, you know, with the bike, you can go a little bit to the hills and see the views. And I think it's worth it. No, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Because here in Barcelona, you have a long stretch of sea and you can ride all the way down it and get different perspectives and even enter into other parts of the city. So I'm, I'm always a fan of the bike. Uh, but some some guides like to walk because they feel like it's more intensive. It's more, you, know, you get more history that way. But I I like the mm -hmm. bike because it's a combination of the two. It is intensive, but it's also you get to see more. So I agree mm -hmm. with you on that one bit. Uh, tell me a little bit about your company. During the pre-show, you were explaining how you and your wife started Experience San, San Sebastian. Uh, what kind of tours do you guys host? What do you do with your company? I'm going to tell you first why we set up the company and what we used to do in the past, okay? So Penny and I, we've been sales and product managers for different brands, traveling lots. And, and there was a point when, well, I was working for a company that is in France and I had to commute every day there for an hour. And work, working, uh, working like eight hours a day there plus two hours drive, blah, 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 blah. So it was a point when I got fed up with it. And then I thought like, you know, I've been hosting people here in San Sebastian for all my life, really. Everybody loves it. I'm a bit fed up with the job I've been doing for the last 20 years. And I think I'm going for, I'm going for it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start making this professionally. So then we did, a, we, did, we did a research and we realized that pretty much every single company or tour company based in San Sebastian we're offering food tours, pincho tours. Pincho is, you know, finger food. Yeah, we'll get into that later. Yeah. So 
I thought like, you know, it's way more to do here than that. Obviously, that is one of the main things, but the outdoors around San Sebastian are amazing. And I think that when you come to San Sebastian for a few days and the only thing you do is eat, eat, eat and drink, you feel kind of guilty, even if you are on holidays. So we thought we thought about setting up a company to show you around, um, do a sport, as well as learning about the city and about the surroundings, and mix it with food and drinks as well. So that's what we do. When you and your wife decided to start this tour company, what type of tours did you first offer and then what type of tours do you start do you offer now right so we want to make the difference with the rest of the companies so so we offer outdoor tours like hiking biking um, stand-up paddling and oh God, what else uh, biking I think that was it Hiking, biking, and, and and foodie tours. Well, not at the beginning, no. Ah, okay. Not at the beginning. So it was, uh, uh, it was just outdoor tours mixed with food, right? So we went, for instance, to a valley here, mountain biking, and after that, we could uh, either make a picnic there, or maybe go to a cider house to have like a big steak and cider straight from the barrel and all that you know or maybe do a hike from san sebastian to another village through the cliffs and then get a really nice seafood restaurant there and you know these kind of things and also city bike tours that we did from the beginning um we realized that most of the clients that we got they were doing also more cultural tours with some of the companies because we didn't offer it. So then the season after we decided to implement some other food tours or cultural tours. So nowadays we are offering trips to Rioja area for the day to visit different wineries and a couple of really old villages like La Guardia for instance. Uh, we are offering trips to France, which is right there, you know, in half an hour, you can be in Bia Ridge, Saint-Jean-de-Loup. The Basque French countryside is amazing. So we go into the valleys there and, you know, visit some cool villages. And uh, yeah, I know, you know, we work with some agencies and we do a la carta tours, you know. Like, tailor-made. Uh, bespoke, tailor-made. So yeah, we, we do pretty much everything people is, people is asking for. The stand-up paddle, the SUP, rarely do I talk to any tour guide that offers that as an experience. For those mm. that don't know, uh, here in Europe, stand-up paddling is very popular, especially here with the being next to the sea. Because here in Barcelona, we have people that are stand-up paddling all day long. Our little, uh, our part of the sea depending on the day of course but it's pretty calm so it allows people to go out into the sea and, and have a good time one thing i did notice on your website is that you stand up paddle up the river can you explain a little yeah. bit about that 
Okay. Um, first of all, I want to say like stand-up paddle here in San Sebastian is really popular. And there are so many companies that are offering stand-up paddle rentals on the beach and you can go there and get a paddle and go out and that's it. Okay. What we offer is something totally different. We have two tours. One is uh, the city from the sea tour. And what we do, I mean, the most popular one or the, the most popular timing is at seven in the morning. So what we do, we pick up the, the customers in the hotel and we drive to the beach, to one of the sides of the beach. At seven in the morning is no one there, no one on the beach, no one out with boats, motorboats, sailing boats, nothing at all. It's calm and everybody's pretty much sleeping. So what we do... So we do a tour all around the bay and we talk about history, about what they can see from there. It's not just paddling, you know what I mean? So they, I talk about the fire in the 1800s. We talk about... How so, long is that tour? Uh, in the water, it's like an hour and 20 minutes more or less yeah. but then when we go back to the van and we put uh, the stand-up paddles on the roof and stuff while i'm doing this they have breakfast so i bring hot coffee croissants orange juice you know and then by nine o'clock they are back in the hotel wow <laughs> so it's what did you do today? Well, I woke up at six in the morning, got picked up, did some SUP, went and saw the bay. I'm back in my hotel room by nine o'clock. That's that's yeah. That's a nice start to the day. Yes. So what are the age groups that people can do stand up paddling? Well normally the people that do that are couples or families of maybe four. You know, three, four people. That's it. I mean we don't go with 15 people around the bay talking, you know, it's, it's not our style. Uh, we do private tours. So obviously, if you are only two, you pay more money than if you are eight, you know, but it's, it, it, it keeps it more personal. If that makes sense. I understand completely. And it's, it's better for them. I mean, it's good for you and it's better for them uh, because yeah. large groups, my experience is that I've given tours to large groups and it is not fun. Um, I've had a conversation with another colleague here in Barcelona, and he kind of enjoys it because he just kind of goes into this here are the facts mode. And although it's more difficult to to control the crowd, giving the presentations is much easier yeah. for him. Yeah. For me, private is always best, and especially when you're doing something so so spectacular like stand up paddling in the bay and, and looking at the city. Uh, what an mm. experience. And, and by the way, I'm holding you to this, Borja, because when I do go to San Sebastian, uh, you are going to give me that tour. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the gastronomy. Explain pinchos, because pinchos was something that was born in the Basque country. It's now all over mm. Spain. I love, mm. it's probably my favorite way to eat Spanish food. We do have them here in Barcelona. Can you explain me a little bit of its origins and what it is? Well, Pinchos is basically finger food, okay? It's like uh, something that you can see on top of the bar, in the bars, and you just grab it with your fingers and eat it. Nowadays, 
is a little bit more sophisticated and they give you cutlery and a plate and stuff. But the pinchers were created back in the day. I mean, long story short, <laughs> but okay. It's a really big drinking culture in the Basque country, always been, okay? So put it that way. People in the 50s, 60s, they used to work in factories part-time, like from 8 to 1 and from 3 to 7, for instance. So after working in the morning, they used to go to the old town, meet some friends, have a couple of wines, sometimes more than a couple, sometimes 10, <laughs> yeah. and then go home for lunch. They used to have lunch there, have a little siesta, and go back to work. Apparently, someone said, like, hmm, maybe, you know, like, if I didn't eat anything since breakfast, it will be good to have something to eat while we are having wine, so otherwise I'm going to arrive home on my knees. Um, and they start asking... They, <laughs> They start asking the the, the, the the woman behind the bars to something to eat. So if they were cooking, I don't know, anything, you know, uh, meatballs or, you know, or uh, uh, stew or whatever, she used to put in a piece of bread anything that was in the kitchen with a, how you call it, like a toothpick. toothpick. A toothpick. Yeah, that's it. Uh, and that's pretty much the origin of the pinchos. Pretty basic food. Nowadays, it's been a massive evolution and they have to make it look good and it has to be really elaborated. To give you an example, you can get in a, in Serukovar, for instance, you can have a, a pincho, a smoked codfish, and it comes with a little barbecue with coal and it's still smoking, oh, wow. you know, so... Yeah. It makes the bar really smoky. It's so weird, you know, but it's like people go mental with it. It's like, oh my God, this thing is like, and it's all about that, you know, it's, it's experience more than anything, you know. The Pincho Tours in San Sebastian is something that everybody that comes to San Sebastian do. I don't offer Pincho Tours. Well, I got my reasons. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think, I think, well, anyway. I will tell you later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Pinchos has grown, and the reason why I love it is that you can, you don't, you don't. First of all, you can eat as much or as little as you want, and you pay for as little or as much as you want. But yeah. For me, it's about the flavor, right? The you eat a little bit of uh, blood sausage, you eat a little bit of patata to clean the palate. Um, this variety of foods that you can combine in a pinchos meal for me is why I loved it so much because it isn't just uh, one or two bites. Uh, and because after that third or fourth bite of a plate, you kind of get the idea of what it tastes like. With pinchos, it, you can change and make it whatever you want. And that's what I love about pinchos. And it's small and it's on bread and it's filling and uh, you have a drink at a bar and then you have a pincho and then you go to the next bar and then you have another couple of pinchos and that continues mm. till the wee hours of the night. So that is what I love about that culture. Now tell me a little mm. bit about the, about the wine in the Basque country. All parts of Spain have different types of wines. What's specific about the Basque country wine that people love so much? Well, here in the Basque country, we produce a white wine called Chacolí. We don't produce red. And Chacolí is... Uh, 
I wouldn't say it's a fizzy wine, but it has, uh, it's like a really fresh wine, you know, like uh, it's made with uh, with this grape called Onda Rabizuri. It's a white white grape, obviously. And because all of the vineyards are obviously, most of them facing south to get the sun, the most to, to take uh, advantage of the sun, mm-hmm. but they are on the sea. They get the sea breeze, you know, and it gives a, a different freshness to the to the wine. You know, it's a wine that you have to when you are serving it, you have to kind of break to oxygen it, to and oxygen, then you drink yeah. it. And it's as I say, it's not fizzy wine, but you can you can feel something there. People still drink this. It sounds like a summer wine. People still drink this during the winter. Yeah, it's a wine that you 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 have as an aperitif. I I don't think. I mean, nowadays they are they are making more elaborated chocolates, and it's true that people are using it for lunch or for dinner as well, especially during summer. But it's more like an aperitif, okay? Mm. It's like mm. you in Barcelona, everybody's having vermouth, for instance, yeah. or is having cava before la before lunch. You know, but here is the chocolate. Oh. But also, we drink a lot of cider here. From explain that because I. I see cider coming into this part of Spain, but it's not as popular to say, for example, in the States where you find cider all over the place. Is it because of the orchards that they have there? Well, uh, the history of uh, cider in the Basque country is related to the, to the fishermen. Okay. Back in the days, uh, you know, I'm talking about 500 years ago, uh, the boats didn't have uh, refrigerators. Okay. And those guys used to go to the northern seas up there in, in uh, Newfoundland and stuff to fish for cod. The only way to have vitamin C was to drink cider because, you know, to, vitamin C avoids you to get scurvy, right? Scurvy, right. And, and uh, uh, if you put vegetables and fruit in the boat for longer than a week... It's not going to be with good. ...with no refrigerator, it gets waste. Right. So someone, I don't know exactly who, said like, wait a minute, if we make cider, we drink it, we will get the vitamin C in the, in the system and uh, we are not going to get the disease. Right. The problem they have is that to get the same levels of vitamin C in your body as eating veggies or uh, eating fruit was drinking four, liter, four liters of cider per day per person. That's a lot of so alcohol. So basically, <laughs> they, they, they didn't get the scurvy, but they became alcoholics, pretty much all <laughs> yeah. of them. They, 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 went, they went up there for months, you know, and they were like drinking and drinking and drinking. So it's the reason why cider is really, really popular here, because they had to produce it for the fishermen. Are there different varieties of the cider, or is it consistently one flavor? Well, nowadays... I mean, the, the cider is depending on the, the apple you use, okay? And we use local apples, but we also buy apples from Galicia, in the northwest of Spain. We buy apples from France as well. And depending how you mix it, you know, it's like, a, you know, like blending wine, you know? Depending on the grapes you use, you get different types of wine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they, I don't think the barrels make any difference because all of them are the same. You know, it's not like wine. You know, like you have French oak and American oak and this and that, and yeah. depending how you toast it and this and that. 
making cider is way more simple, you know, to just press the apples, get the juice, put it in the barrel, Fermented. fermentation. Yeah. yeah. So it's more about the type of apples you use. And another thing is, you know, the, the cider houses. Back in the days, they used to just sell cider to supply the restaurants and bars. Okay. The thing is, when the restaurants and bars used to go there to try the, the, the cider to do the, the buying for the season, they had to try so many different ciders. And again, if you didn't eat anything, you get drunk. drunk. <laughs> yeah. So they start asking for something to eat. Um, so the woman behind the, the behind the, 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 the farm was like, okay, well, you know, they always had eggs because they were farmers. They always had dry codfish, you know, because it is a really good way to preserve it. And they always had meat. So they start cooking with that. Mm. And nowadays, you know, they became restaurants. You've mentioned cod a couple of times. This is a very popular food that is in Spain, but not from Spain. Here they call it bacalao, right? And it's dried codfish that comes from the north. I think San Sebastián was the first place to do that, right? Because of the shipyards that would come from the north and they would start eating it there. And then from there, it grew to other parts of Spain. I think, I think it's a big, big fight with Bilbao as well. I think they are claiming that they were the first ones. Uh, anyway, the Basques uh, been ruling the, the codfish market in Europe for 300 years. Okay, they did, not anymore. And... It's a really funny story. I don't know if really if it's true or not that they they uh, if you do a if you do a, a tour with a guide in Bilbao, they will they will tell you about it. Um, you know, in the fish market, um, someone was uh, placing an order that was in eighteen hundreds. I don't know exactly the, the the year. He was placing an order of cod uh, to the UK, and. He placed the order by, by uh, I, think, I think it was by, I don't know exactly, by tel telegraph? I don't know, but anyway. Um, so the guy on the other side, instead, he wanted to have like 100 or 120 bacaladas. Bacala bacalada is the, the, the dry bacalao, okay? When it's dry like salted. Like that, hanging, mm -hmm. okay? Right. And the guy on the other side... Uh, instead of write 100 or 120, when he we took the order, he wrote the O like a zero. So the guy got 1,020,000 bacaladas in Bilbao. <laughs> wow. So imagine, imagine, imagine his face. He's like, right. oh my God, what am I going to do with all this? Right. So he started creating recipes. Okay, bacalao al pilpil, bacalao con tomate, tortilla de bacalao, this and that. And they said this is the reason why codfish is really famous in the Basque country because they got overloaded <laughs> with bacalao. So that's yeah, what we, they We say get confused Bilbao. as Americans. We get confused with the European one, which is, has a little slash up on top, and the number seven. Sometimes yeah. you have to be very careful when you place a handwritten order from Europe and sending it to yeah. the United States because you never know whether it's 70 something or it's seven. So yeah. you have to be careful with that. <laughs> uh -huh. I have a tough question for you. Hmm. Which do you prefer mountains or ocean? 
Ooh. I mean, I always been related to the sea because I'm a surfer, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, Penny is a sailor. She, when she mm. was younger, she was part of the Great Britain team. Uh, so we love the sea. And normally we, when, when we go on holidays, we always go to the coasts. So she was, explain that again. So your co-founder for Experience San Sebastián was a member of the English sailing team? Yeah. But oh, wow. when she was really young, I think when she was 10 or 12, something like that. Ah, She's a okay. sailor and her family yeah. always been sailors. Her grand, granddad was the founder of the sailing club in her village. Okay, so what pulls you back to the mountains then if you really enjoy the sea? Why, why is it a difficult decision? Because nowadays it's really hard to find peace and to have no one around you on the coast, especially in high season. And if you drive half an hour out of San Sebastian, even in peak season, you can be by yourself. And if you drive a bit longer, in two hours' time, you are in the Pyrenees. And there, like, there are stunning places where you don't see anyone around for the day. Yeah. And I love it, you know. And there's a lot of rivers there as well, you know, so you can swim, same as in the beach. And I don't know. And I think it's a big, big tradition in the Basque country about climbing mountains as well. So uh, Edurne Pasaban, for instance, is the first woman in the world that did the, four, the 14, uh, 8,000 meters plus mountains in the world. She was from uh, there, huh? She's from here. Yeah. And you have uh, Juanito Yarzabal as well. He's a really good mountaineer. It's like so many people that are uh, um, good mountaineers in the area. And something that you do with your family when you, as, you are a kid during the weekend is go to the mountains. Go to the Climb mountain. a mountain and then go for a big lunch. Just set a plan. So the best view for tourists whenever they're with you or San Sebastian in general, what is the best view of the city? The best view, I mean, obviously, if you go up to Monte Yello, which is one of the one of the hills on top of the main beach, La Concha, that's a, a view to to do. You know, you have to go up there and see it. Me as do a you, local, do you offer a tour? Do you offer a tour to that view? Uh, we don't go up there because means that you have to extend the tour for an extra hour and I don't think it's worth to make people pay for this hour. You tell them one, once you are there, you say, okay, you take this telepheric thing, this, uh, no telepheric, funicular, mm -hmm. and you go up there by yourself whenever you have the time while being in San Sebastian. And, you know, there is a really old school playground up there, like a fair, and you can spend half the day there. You don't need me to do that. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But yeah, that's, fair. That's, a, that's a must. That's a must. What are some things that tourists to San, to San Sebastian should not do? That's Ooh, a tough one, isn't it? That's a tough <laughs> one. That's a really tough one. But you, I mean, that, that's... They have, they, um, I would recommend to don't get hit by car. Don't get hit by car because you don't need it. 
Okay? Yeah. San Sebastian is really small and they are turning the city step by step only for pedestrians or for, you know, like buses and public transport, like taxis and stuff. So it gets really, really busy and you are going to get stuck in a traffic jam and you don't need it, you know? You, you I, I can walk everywhere. That's, that's great. That's and no, I think that says you, something about also sustainability. So when we travel, that we're not using cars for and uh, releasing carbon. Uh, you can get some exercise and see the city on bike. You can walk around and see the city. I think that's that is a perfect non recommendation for people not to do. I, that's because we are starting to experience. Uh, uh, we call them super manzanas here, and uh, or super uh, big blocks. And the idea is, and and we'll see what happens here in the near future with trying to get people to walk more, I think. But at the time that we're recording this, this is during the COVID pandemic. And we're seeing that a lot of people are just doing a lot more walking all over the city. And the city is because we have more pedestrians, because we, because we have more people on bike, they're closing down some cities and saying, or excuse me, they're closing down some streets and saying, we're going to leave this only for the pedestrians or only for the cyclist uh, to allow people to walk. I think it's a great idea for cities to do this because it hmm. makes it much more enjoyable. As I mentioned, we are doing and recording this during the COVID pandemic. Uh, your business, obviously, like mine, has been affected by the lack of tourism. What has your company, Experience San Sebastian, done to pivot during this, this COVID time with lack of tourism? What have you guys been doing to, to help yourself during this time? Well, uh, since they announced the quarantine i thought straight away that we are going to lose the season i mean we are pretty fine here right now in Gipuzkoa, in this county uh we had i don't know how many deaths but like pretty much nothing and no many people infected uh the bars and restaurants are open already we are going to be on Monday in phase number three, bars and restaurants open, uh, opened at 100% of capacity, beach open, you know, it's pretty much normal life, okay? But the problem is that the people coming here in San Sebastian, I will say 80% of the visitors or at least my, my customers, they are coming from the States. And they are at least one month behind so I don't think we are going to get At minimum, any yeah. anybody here from the States until, if we are lucky, September. So that give us one, maybe two months to do some business. Yeah. So we thought, I mean, the kids are not going back to school. And so many parents, you know, they have to go back to work. So we decided to offer for kids in between 10 and 14 years old the same activities that we are offering to our customers from Monday to Friday in a package from Monday to Friday from 9 o'clock until 4 p.m. including lunch and all that in English. Uh. Okay. Yeah, so it's like a summer casal. It's like a, like a summer camp, you know, mm -hmm. for local kids to learn about the culture, to find new places, you know, like 
you know, as a local, so many people, they, 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 they are not interested really in their own history. And they, like so many people don't know so many cool places around here that some, some tourists do because they, I don't know, when you go on holidays to, to some, uh, when you go on holiday somewhere, you really want to explore and you really want to uh, discover, you know. But here, I feel like locals, well, here everywhere, you know, like you go to the beach, always to the same beach. You go to the mountains or to the, to the you know, always to the same place. You don't explore it the same way, you know. So right. I'm trying to show locals that we have a really good playground. We have a really good history that normally they don't teach at the school. And we give them the chance to learn all that in English and practice English, you know. So it's, it's, it has two benefits, and I agree with you 100%. First of all, uh, it's very popular here in Spain to have summer camps or casals in, in English because parents obviously want their kids to learn English. And then uh, I think it's very important to bring home the point that most people don't know what or what is the the history in their own backyard. Um, I know exactly. that uh, I I know more about Catalan or or the history of Catalonia uh, than most locals, and I find that astounding. So I applaud you on being able to promote that because it's such a a, a great service to locals because you have to know where you're from. You know, it's as exactly. tour guides, we get excited about it and we're passionate about it, but uh, to other people, it's just not on their radar because it's local. It is home. They're not used to it. They're used to going to the grocery store and coming home and going to school, going to work, and you forget that there's this vast, rich history around and people mm. mo most people don't take advantage of it. So I congratulate you guys on your successes. I congratulate you guys and making a pivot during this COVID time to open up your business to locals. And I think it's very important. I think that you probably have found something that you're going to do year after year, especially it being in English. So uh, that's what we do during times of pandemic when we're shut down. We get creative and we look for new ways to promote and express our businesses. So congratulations mm -hmm. on that. Borja, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us today. Um, I really enjoyed your stories. And uh, like I said, there's a couple things that you mentioned that I'm going to take advantage of when I do end up in San Sebastian. Oh, for sure. If you want to find uh, Borja on the web, you can find Borja's company at experiencesansebastian.com. And on social media, you can find them under Instagram with the same handle, Experience San Sebastian. Facebook, um, the same, uh, Experience San Sebastian. And you can also find them on LinkedIn. And be in touch with these guys. Uh, they're independent. They are obviously interesting. Uh, they have a rich history. They have their tours in English. They all do a variety of tours. So I highly encourage, if you're going to go to San Sebastian, to give Borja and his wife, Penny, a call. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you to you, Alvaro. And uh, as I said, if you come here, for sure, you know, we'll, we will... Uh tour you around and same if i go to barcelona for sure you are going to give me a tour you are more than welcome i look forward to it thank okay. you so much bye bye thank you again for joining us we hope you enjoyed this episode you will find the show notes on our website at tourguidetalks that's with an s.com we will leave a link in the show description we would love to hear your feedback you can get in touch with us via our website or on all major social media platforms with the handle at Tour Guide Talks. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any secrets or new information on your favorite travel locations. If you have a show idea, 
or know a guide that should be on this show, please be in touch. Thanks again, and please pass the show on to another travel enthusiast. Ciao.